Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. They have a new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethelp.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today. All right, so a big thanks to NetHealth. Now on to today's podcast. So my guest today is Loic Bell. He's a physiotherapist since two and a half years ago. He graduated with a bachelor degree in physiotherapy in Switzerland and is now in his last semester of his master degree in sports physiotherapy, also in Switzerland. He currently works in an outpatient clinic in a small city in Switzerland for three days a week. And during the other two days, he studies in Bern towards his master's degree. He is currently involved in the Commission for the Promotion of Physiotherapy that is a branch of his Regional Physiotherapy Association. He is also a board member of Les Rousseaux, and I'm sure I butchered that, which can be translated as The Network, which is an association that aims to connect health professionals working in sports and other professions that promote health through physical activity. On an international level, he is currently a board member of Long COVID Physio as an education co-director. A recently big achievement was the publication of his first paper with his friends and colleagues, Vincent Ducrest, Nicholas Mathieu, and Mario Bazzini. We talked about that paper in this interview. And it was about injury prevention in sports related to performance. Injury prevention is a subject that he tries to develop an expertise in, and he really fell down the rabbit hole during his bachelor graduation work that developed into that paper. His professional goals are to end his master's degree in the first place. An ongoing project right now is to find funding to start a PhD on the subject of injury prevention. And in today's episode, we talk about uh, a little bit more about the IOC... Uh, conference that was back in November. And also we talk about clinical uncertainty, mental health of new graduate physiotherapists dealing with imposter syndrome, and the importance of our physiotherapy associations. So a big thank you to Loic for coming onto the podcast and being so open and honest and sharing his experience as a newer graduate in the physiotherapy field. Hey, Loic, welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to have you on, and it's so nice seeing you again after it's been a couple of months since we met in Monaco, so welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be to be here enough time, too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so excited to have you on to talk about, uh, we'll talk a little bit about your experience in Monaco and your big takeaways from that, and tell me your, what, what you thought and what your takeaways were. Yeah, it was it was a last minute choice to go to Monaco, and and I don't regret it actually. Um, it was the second big congress for me, so it was a bit of euphoria. I went to Geneva when there was the World Congress too, so 
second bit congress on sports physio so kind of the specialization i'm doing right now and it was uh, it was bigger than i thought it was it would be actually and uh, it was really hard to to do some take home because there were so many things to 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 take with so many new ideas so many so many new ideas about old ideas that were totally deconstructed so that was a goal of mine to go and and be like yeah i want to unlearn what i what i had learned during school and during my studies and i know we discussed it together quite quite some time about the takeaway so there was one word that came a lot during the congress i think it was the context context matters so you can have the best exercise, you can have the best the best plan, you can have the best program you want. If people don't do it, don't buy it, uh, it won't matter much, actually. Um, I think one big thing is that maybe we don't know as much as we think we did. I discussed it with uh, Osman on, on a recent podcast, podcast too. Um, lots of talk discussed some things that we thought we knew and maybe they don't work as planned or they don't work in, in an efficient way like we thought it did and uh, yeah there was a great great symposium on the complexity like everything interacts so you, you can't just use one factor to to influence the whole situation you have to you have you have to accept the complexity you can't control everything and uh, and yeah, you, you go home and you don't really know what to do anymore. You don't really know if, if you did things right. You don't really know if you will do things right. So that's kind of the takeaway I, I took from Monaco for me. Yeah, and, and I would agree. I left like, God, I feel like I don't know anything and stuff that I did know. I had now have to sort of deprogram myself to... Uh, reprogram with new information and new research which i mean in, in, if you ask me that's a sign of a good conference yeah i'd say the same uh if if i i'd be pretty <laughs> pretty sad to go to a conference and go with only a big confirmation bias you know <laughs> like okay i did everything right that's fine so it's a good thing yeah like you you learn something if you unlearned uh things so yeah it, it was great yeah, I agree. And let's let's kind of dive into this idea of complexity in practice, right? So like you said, there's so much more to an injury than just the injury, right? So if someone has an ACL injury, it's more than just the physical rupture of an ACL and then knee. So can you talk a little bit more about complexity in practice, whether it be your personal experience um, and, and how you tolerate that uncertainty in the clinic? I mean, if, if we speak about Monaco, uh, the big thing was when, we, when you come home is what and how do I apply the things I learned? And what I feel like when I, when I go to congresses or to any symposium that speak about research, I'm always like, yeah, but in research we control so many things. Uh, we want to control the, the the most things we can to better understand the, the mechanism and then you arrive in practice and it's the chaos <laughs> you can't control everything you control in research um, 
I'm a pretty young clinician. I ended school like two and a half year ago. And every time I discuss the topic with some more experienced clinicians, they, they always answer with the, yeah, experience helps. Yeah, but what do you do when you don't have, <laughs> you don't have that much experience? You have to build some. So you try to rely on research. You try to, to you try your things, basically. You, you have some tools try to use your tools um, that gives you some idea when you try what should be best practice in research but sometimes it doesn't work as planned and you have to deal with it so you try to adapt you try to modify things a bit and you have to go with intuition sometimes and yeah it can be a hard feeling to deal with i mean um I tweeted like a few weeks ago about that because I had a rough day, a really rough, rough day. Like I had three patients. It didn't go as planned. We had to go mm. back to the surgeon. We had to discuss things. And it's really exhausting, I feel like, to, to come home and nothing worked as planned. You go like with 12, 14 patients a day. And this tree will stay on your mind like the whole evening, the, the whole evening. Uh, you, you, you don't know. You, you're just thinking about how could I help, uh, what's next, try to plan for you and for them. Um, yeah, I don't know, you can, or you can deal with it. You have to acknowledge that it can happen and you have to, sometimes you have to take a step back and be like, yeah, what did I do? Did I do something wrong or not? Because maybe you did nothing wrong actually. And mm -hmm. how could I figure out a new strategy to to advance and do better. Yeah, it sounds to me like what you do when you have those days, and we all have them where you're like, I'm a loser, like I can't help anyone, no one's getting better, what am I doing? Um, but that instead of going back and sort of wallowing in it for the whole night, I think you can wallow for a little, but it sounds to me like what you do is you kind of reflect on that, re reassess how you did things, and really look at what can I do differently? I don't want to say better, but what can I do differently? And if it's something, then you always have another time to try. And if it's, you know, I, I think that I did what was appropriate, then maybe it's let's go in and have a deeper conversation with this patient. You know, let's see what other part of this complex person in their ecosystem will allow us to move forward. So that's what I got from what you just said, that you really take that time to kind of reflect, reassess, and then move in the next day or the next time you see them. Yeah, I totally agree. And complexity is also about how it works with the, with the other colleagues, the, the other professions around the patient. So you have to reach out for other people. Uh, you have to discuss things with them. And you have to, you have to explain what you did. You have to to also be confident about what you did. And, and that's, that can be quite confronting to, to do. So yeah, uh, many things to deal with, but in the end you have to go forward and keep on, keep going. Absolutely. And, you know, as a newer ish grad, um, you know, you kind of, you knowing what you don't know, and, and maybe knowing what you do know, how do you sort of keep putting one foot in front of the other? Because I'm assuming imposter syndrome 
may come up every once in a while. So what do you do to keep moving forward? And maybe what advice can you give to, let's say, a new graduate that's graduating tomorrow, given the experience that you have over the past couple of years? Yeah, uh, you're right. <laughs> it, it happens from time to time. And, and I mean, social media don't, don't help with that, I think, uh, as a whole. Yes. Because there are lots of success stories. There are not much stories about failure. Well, I mean, here's the thing. No, nobody, nobody puts the bad yeah. stuff up on social media. It's only yeah, all exactly. the successes, right? So you, you have to take that step back and be like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe they fail too. And to come back to Monaco, uh, there was a great, great one uh, that was about the biggest mistakes. So the name of the Congress was something about learn, learn from our biggest mistakes. So it was with Evert Verhagen, uh, Caroline Bowling. Caroline Emery too, um, mm -hmm. and I think it was great to have like to be in a congress with what you can call like uh, la crème de la crème from speakers uh, in the world about injury prevention and 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 hear them like we failed, but we kept on moving, we kept on trying, and we did we did we did better and we try every day to do better. So it it was one good thing is that for once there was. There, there were people that acknowledged that they failed, but they kept on going and, and it was, it was, yeah, they dealed with things with the tools they had at that moment. And they, you, you can't have every day data you, you want uh, at every moment, so you have to, to try. And another thing I'd say is that personally, I try to really reflect and reflect deep on, on on what I don't know, I try to, yeah, we can speak a lot about metacognition and, and identify your knowledge, identify your lack of knowledge in, in some in some topics. So I try to identify my weaknesses and then I try to read because I can't just be with patients 24 seven. So I have to read about them and uh, and then try. Uh, that's, that's how I, did, I see the things. Um, there's a quote I like that, that say, what I believe is a process rather than a finality. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who, who is this from, but I like it a lot. Like you have, it never stops. You have to keep on moving. Don't, don't stay like in, in a stone, try to, try to evolve. Yeah. And that, that's how I see the things. Yeah. And I, I missed that talk at Monaco. Now I I really wish I went to it on the, you know, yes, we failed at these things, learn from our mistakes. And I would argue that the most successful people in the world have failed more times than they've been successful, right? Because they're taking chances, they're putting themselves out there and and they're making mistakes, learning from them and then pushing forward, which can be your stepping stone to success. Yeah, I'm a pretty firm believer that through to be successful, you have to fail. Because if you just have success, I mean, first of all, it's not realistic, but I, I feel like if, if there was only, only success and you, you couldn't fail, uh, you'd stop working. You don't, you don't have anything to do anymore. You, you, you're not right. from this planet. So yeah, I think that you built Every, every failure you have is a small brick towards the big house of success, basically. 
I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in talking about all of this, you know, we're talking about failures and imposter syndrome and not knowing. And you're in a clinical setting, you're working with people with all of that on your mind, it can certainly take a toll on your on mental health as a clinician. So what what do you do or what advice do you have when it comes to that clinical work and mental health, your own mental health? Yeah, so I feel like we have a really demanding job uh, from a psychological perspective, because like I said, sometimes you fail, you have that bad day and you come home and you're like, yeah, everything everything is worthless. So you, you, you have to, to, to overcome that. And with that, you have to, to add all the pressure about knowing things because patients want answer, answers. So you have to know things. You're the professional. They, they, want, they want to know, as sometimes you don't. Um, now, to, to put less pressure on me, I, I'm honest with the patient when I don't know. Uh, at the beginning, during my internships, I was always trying to find the right answer. And sometimes I didn't have it and I tried to find the thing to say. And now I feel like, yeah, it was really unethical, first of all. And um, now I, I, I dare say I don't know, but we'll try to figure it out, basically. And one, one phrase I do, I do say a lot when situations are complicated is that we'll try to improve the best we can uh, but i don't know until when we can until what level we can improve uh, we'll figure it out but maybe it will be only only a small portion and and you'll have to try other things than physiotherapy um, and basically you have to take care of your mental health and there are health professionals for that so <laughs> i'm not ashamed to say that uh, i wanted a psychologist and i discussed this topic too i didn't go for that but i discussed it because it was really taking a toll sometimes on my on my health and yeah now i learned to take a step back to to be honest with the situation and discuss uh, discussing with patients and be open to criticism uh, from patients to uh, I tell them you, you can tell me if if something isn't right we, we'll change what we do finding yourself and being confident enough in yourself to say I don't know is very very beneficial for everyone involved because you don't want to make something up right so if you don't know I think what you said you know I don't know but let's figure this out together I'll, I'll look up some research we'll figure this out and if we can't figure it out then I think it goes into another topic that you wanted to cover, and that's having this sort of entourage around the patient, right? Because it's not your the two of you aren't on an island together, and there's no one else around. Hopefully, um, so can you talk a little bit about the importance of that that team or that entourage around the patient? Yeah, so I think that I'm really lucky because I'm. I met some awesome people in Switzerland uh, during my studies and when I went to congresses uh, I can mention someone it's uh, Suzanne Gard that was in Monaco too uh, and mm -hmm. she she's she's helping me on a daily basis basically <laughs> I'm often writing to her and uh, and uh, some other colleagues some other friends and colleagues uh, that are my age we try to we try to figure out stuff uh, together too um, I think 
we we are in a profession where uh, you can't have all the knowledge and some people already built uh, some strong knowledge on some specific topic so when I have a situation uh, for example uh, with Suzanne from uh, with the shoulders I write to her because she, she's the expert in, in my in my network she's the expert on shoulders so I, I don't hesitate to to, to write her, to ask the patient if I can take, a, for example, a video of, or a picture of, of the problematic I have. And, and I ask, I tried this, I tried that, I have this situation right now, uh, it's not evolving. It's, yeah, it's, it's staying the same. We, we don't find a way to, to overcome the situation. What do you think about it? And then we discuss it. And, and sometimes she, she has some really great things that I never would have thought about. And I do the same with, with friends. Um, I have some friends who, with my part, part-time studies. Uh, they have the same problem as me. Sometimes they write to me and I try to help. Sometimes they do the same. I do the same with them. And sometimes nothing comes out from it. But at least we tried. And, uh, and yeah, I try to do the best with the tools I have right now. And I feel like they are getting sharper every month, every year. But right now, yeah, it's not the best. It's trying to cut a tree with a knife for the moment sometimes. So, <laughs> so yeah, it will get better, I think. So what made it motivates you to kind of to keep going and keep learning and keep sharpening those tools? Uh, right now, I think that's the first thing is that I want to help uh, the people I work with. I, I, don't, I don't often tell some patients. I think I work with people, not with patients, they are, they are proactive. So yeah, I want to help them. So that's that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is that I don't like not know to not know <laughs> on a topic. So I'm really curious and I, and I want to know. And yeah, again, you have to cope with not knowing, but but I try to 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 dig a, always a little deeper and, and try to understand the mechanism of what I do of of, I don't know, special pathology or stuff like that. Uh, these are the, the two things I'd say uh, drive me the most. And then I fell into sports physio and I was like, yeah, it can be fun because I, I always liked sports and I always did some. But it was also because I believe that sports and physical activity as a whole is one of the, if not the best tool for health. And you have to understand what you do. I mean, we speak a lot about exercise, about active therapy. You have to understand what you do. Uh, if, if you just give some exercises and you don't know what consequences there can be, uh, again, it's not the best care you can provide, I feel like. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't like, and it happens sometimes, but I don't like when people go home and they, and they come, I don't know, two days, three days after the treatment, and they tell me, yeah, I was feeling horrible for, for two days <clears throat> because we, because I, I did something that was too much volume or too intense, I don't know. But yeah, basically that's it. And I feel like you have to be a Swiss knife. You have to add some tools to your toolbox. Uh, you have to, to add communication, for example. That's, that's one, that's, the most uh, important tool in, in, in relationship with, the, with these people and, and personal experience, I feel like, is a, is a big driver to, uh, 
I, I feel I felt great when I went to the psychologist and I could discuss and I could communicate. So understanding what it feels like yourself drives me to do better for the people that come to. I think it's it's important. Yeah, and I'm so happy that you said communication is, I would say the communication is most important in any relationship, yeah. period. I still agree. Whether that be personal, professional, client, patient, um, it is number one. And that that is a skill that can be learned. You know, there are books, there are classes that you can take on how to be a better communicator. Um, but I think it, it starts with knowing what you know and being able to admit what you don't know and learning more. So kind of everything that you said throughout this podcast, I think really comes down to that piece on communication. And it's huge. I'm so happy that you brought that up. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with more. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. Why move on to higher and higher degrees, right? So for you, why do a master's degree in Switzerland when a bachelor degree is enough? Here in the U.S., we had started with a bachelor's, then we went to a master's, and now we're at a doctorate level, a clinical doctorate. So why move forward through all of that when, hey, maybe if, if a bachelor's is enough or a master's was enough, why, why keep pushing forward on the degrees? I think it's a big topic in Switzerland too because we have the other countries around us that all go to the master degree level. Uh, we are maybe one of the only country left in Europe that doesn't uh, ask for a master degree to, to be in the clinic. Maybe, I don't know, not the last, but... We're not like in the best situation right now, and that got me. That got me critics from our colleagues and other students in PT school actually to 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 that I wanted to go further, and uh, some some told me that I, that I wanted to prove that I was better than them or that I wanted to be paid more. So I, I can't be paid more. <laughs> I can't ask for more money because I got a master degree. So these are not the reasons. But the, the main reasons for me was, were like, when I went into my internships uh, during my degree, I was really feeling clueless and I felt like I didn't have the tools to do anything. Uh, I was a big, big, big manual therapy for years, uh, for the three years at school until the, I was lucky in the last year, there was the Geneva Congress, uh, the World Congress in Geneva. and. Uh, I went to the to the conference from Peter Sullivan and Jeremy Lewis, and it really blew my mind. And I was like, "That's what I want to do," <laughs> and it really changed my perspectives on things. And I was like, "Yeah, I want to upgrade my skills. I want to get a better understanding of everything." And and that's that's what drive me drove me in the first place. Um, uh, provide the best care. Uh, and I think you have to, like I said, to better understand that. And I feel like 
as health professional, we have to we have to think about what we do because it has a cost in society, uh, basically. And I was happy to go to that conference because I realized what I, <laughs> what I participated in when I was only providing passive, uh, passive treatment. And now I think it's uh, like I have to participate in reducing the costs. Uh, I have, it, it can be by, by encouraging people to move more. It can be by maybe avoiding a surgery. You can, you can have ACL uh, conservative treatments uh, more and more. It becomes a big, bigger trend than before. And that, that's how I see things right now. And one other things with the master degree is that I like the research and you have to have a master degree to do research in Switzerland. So, you, I mean, you don't have to, but it's way easier with the master degree. And mm -hmm. I always wanted to add my brick to the brick house uh, because I really liked doing my bachelor uh, graduation work. And I think that knowledge is a collective thing. Uh, I published uh, with the with the colleagues uh, of mine, uh, Mario Bizzini, Nicolas Mathieu, and uh, Vincent Ducret recently, the, uh, my first paper. And I don't feel like it's only my paper. It's like we did this, uh, we did it as four, and it's only four people that come and add just a brick to to injury prevention and 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 on the subject. So. That that's what I want to do. Basically, I wanna I wanna add my just my brick. I don't want to be remembered for it, but I want to help things move on and go further. And the master degree can help me understand the research better and help me to understand how to conduct it. Basically, so that was one of the reasons. And as a, as a young clinician, uh, research I rely a lot on. <laughs> Uh, and if we speak about uh, the funnel model from um, evidence-based practice, you have best evidence on the top. You know it's better than me with the conference you did mm -hmm. at Sport Physio. So I think that's that's an argument. Uh, research is at the top, great, but if you can't read research, you can't use it. So that's that's one of the reasons too. Yeah, well, I think that's a fabulous reason. And just so people know, um, we'll have a link to the paper uh, that you just mentioned in the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So we'll have a link to that. Um, do you want to talk briefly about what, give, give the abstract, if you will, of that paper? Uh, that's exciting, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was, <laughs> I worked on it during my, my master's degree during two years. I didn't think it would last this long to publish it, but uh, we finally made it. But the idea was uh, was that um, was that we we thought that uh, injury prevention programs for the for the lower limb could improve performance, and the we we evaluated that through an umbrella review, and the logic behind it is that we have a big adherence problem with these programs, so. How could we improve the adherence? And there was a talk, uh, we can come back to Monaco again, about uh, never mention prevention. I only speak about performance. You know, 
it's it's the main driver of sports of elite sports and i'd say even of amateur sports you want to you want to win so how do you sell it to these guys and and women's so elites elites athletes wanna wanna be the best so performance is a key thing um so it was the logic behind it we wanna we wanted to explore that does it affect performance uh, just by doing these programs and we can say it has it has an effect it it doesn't have the best effect i think uh you better train for performance than doing these warm-ups for example if you want to improve performance uh but it's you you can you can say that it it could help but i think more on on a on an amateur level not on an elite level it won't be a, a strong enough stimulus for them Excellent. Well, thank you for that uh, quick abstract or quick synopsis of that paper. And again, it'll be in the show notes for this podcast. Now, um, as we start to kind of wrap things up, I'd love to talk a little bit more about physiotherapy associations. So we have in the United States, the American Physical Therapy Association. We have World uh, Confederation of Physical Therapy, which was that was hosted in Geneva a couple of years ago. Um, I was there as well. Do you think they're important? Do you think they serve a purpose or no? I think they are a big key to to promoting our profession. Actually, uh, I don't know how it is in other countries. Actually, with the with the contact with the public, with maybe the politics too. Um, but uh, they are the, I mean, you, you, can, you can go and ask the politics and the public everything that you want. If you're only one, it won't work. <laughs> if you come as a group and with tons of people, maybe it will change things. And that can come back to, to the master degree st- uh, too. We need people with an expertise to push the job uh, and that can be made through associations. Uh, we have to accumulate mm-hmm. the knowledge and then we have to to do a diffusion of knowledge and that's a great way to to help people we see so many things that are pseudoscience on i don't know low back pain for example uh, that goes to the public maybe that if we could promote what we think is best care and what would help people uh, it would it would be great and i think we have to do it as a group as and associations are, are, are a great way for that um, I'm I'm on the I'm a board member of uh, le Re- le réseau that can be translated as the network. Uh, I'm one of I, I'm one of the if not the youngest uh, and with the less experience in the group. But uh, we want to promote like physical activity for the for health. Uh, we we want to regroup every everyone. Uh, you don't have to be a physio, but everyone working in sports in 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 movements. Uh, under a banner and uh, go and promote that uh, for everyone and um, and I'm also on the commission for the promotion of physiotherapy uh, in in my region in Switzerland so uh, we do we do some some really versatile stuff so we organize public conferences uh, for everyone to attend so we want to disseminates knowledge uh, in an understandable way for everyone so we invite speakers and they try to to keep it short and simple for everybody to understand and we have some more professional conferences um, 
For example, we did one uh, a year ago, a small workshop with uh, Darren Brown on long COVID. Uh, it was not really discussed at that moment. So I, I, I wanted to, to have people in Switzerland, health professional, um, better understand. They had the occasion to discuss with Darren for like nearly an hour. And uh, he answered every question. And a big shout out to Darren because he, he's, he's amazing. Everything he does he, to push. Yeah, everything he does. Yeah, I, I don't have any words to describe him. Unless, uh, yeah, I, don't, I only have amazing. But yeah, that, that's the thing I, I, I think we have to do. And again, it's about uh, accumulating and, dif and, dif and diffusion. You have to accumulate the knowledge. You have to differ to, to do big diffusion to the concerned people. And I couldn't have done it without an association. And it reached, it reached maybe, I don't know, uh, 120 physio uh, that could treat long COVID patients better. And that wouldn't just use exercise <laughs> to, to try to to improve things because it could worsen everything. So it's important to, to have that. And it, it offers a big platform to reach uh, the, pub the public you want. So that's why I think that you have, you have to go uh, in this association. You don't have to agree with everything. I don't agree with lots of things uh, in the Swiss Physical, uh, Physiotherapy Association. I'm quite vocal about it in my regional association I say that I don't like lots of stuff and I try to make things move from the inside uh, not always easy but you have to try but yeah the problem with that is that I'm on the board with the, the réseau uh, I'm on the board with the promotion of physio I'm I don't do much to be honest I'm on the board from long covid physio too and that can be tons of projects actually um, with all the side projects with the clinic uh, with my studies so i have to write my thesis i only have a few months left and i'm crawling under workloads right now but yeah you have to deal with it and that's that's kind of the situation right now yeah I mean, agree with you on Darren Brown. He's outstanding. I interviewed him for yeah. the podcast about long COVID and it was a wonderful interview. We're going back and forth and I finished. I said, do you have notes in front of you? He's like, no. Yeah, he's like that. What? Like how? Yeah, I met, I met him in Geneva uh, at the Indaba uh, part with, where everyone can come and just speak. And there were topics mm -hmm. he didn't have a clue on the topic. And it was like he knew everything. <laughs> and at the end, I discussed with him and I was like, yeah, do, do you know something on the topic? And he was like, no, no, I, I was just going with the flow. And <laughs> you're like, OK, <laughs> but he's uh, <laughs> just like that. He's 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 an awesome speaker. He's a wonderful person. And I can't I can say yeah. anything more about him. That only praises for him. I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I have 100% only praise for that man. And I think he's, he is pretty remarkable and what a great asset to the profession of physiotherapy. And he has that ability to disseminate information to the public very well. 
So he knows how to simplify things, not dumb them down, but simplify them to make the average person understand. And I, that's a very special skill. And I think he has it inherently. Yeah, totally agree. Can, can say it better. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, yeah, it's a great skill to have. Okay, so now that we're really wrapping things up here, what would you like for, let's say, two or three takeaways of our conversation to be for let's say younger physical physiotherapists or even physiotherapy students that you can impart to them after being out in the world for the last two and a half years or so? Yeah, the, the first one I think would be uh, don't give up. <laughs> Could it be an advice? I, I don't know. But don't give up and don't blame yourself. Could be a good one, I think. Uh, you have, I think that you have to deal with the situation, with the tool you have at the moment you leave it. Uh, sure that now some situations I had like two and a half year ago, I would deal with them better right now. And some that I have right now, I will deal better with them in a few years. But you only have these tools in your toolbox right now and try to do your best and don't blame yourself if it doesn't go like you planned it would go or if it doesn't go like you would have liked it to go. Um, you, you, can, you can fail and like we said, it will help you change the way you do it the next times and you'll do better, basically. That would be the first, I think. Uh, with that with the mental health so don't blame yourself because don't take a toll on it um, I think it's important, mm -hmm. important what would be a second one um, get involved I think if you believe in your profession if you believe in physiotherapy if you believe in, in health movement communication try try to get involved uh, you don't have to do every project like like I think I do, or like I think many people that came on that podcast do. <laughs> I think you, you should choose. Uh, just quick on that. I think that maybe we have a culture in physiotherapy where we think we have to accept everything. Uh, don't do it. Uh, better choose the projects. Uh, better choose two and do it. Do them greatly and then choose eight and fail them. Uh, choose your projects but try to get involved. If you, if you believe in it, try, try it. It will be worth it. You will meet some awesome people. You will make some connections and it will be worth it in the end anyway. So I think there's that. And I think that's, that maybe, um, maybe to, to come back on that, we should find a way to, to propose these projects to, to young clinicians, As, at least in Switzerland. We don't have anything to, anything to get them involved. Uh, maybe we should find a better way to propose the projects to to ask them. I think they have and I have a fresh vision on lots of things. And I think that's one of the reasons why we should uh, we should have younger clinicians come in and express themselves because we live in an era where things go really fast. And if we only have the same old people that do it for 50 years, maybe that won't make it. And the last thing, I don't know, actually, what would be the last thing? Do you have an idea? <laughs> I, I mean, 
I think what you said was great. The only thing I would just like to reiterate from this conversation, so the big thing that I took away is <clears throat> that communication is everything and that really finding a mentor, finding, like you said, an entourage of people to help you sharpen those tools, those are my big two takeaways from, from our discussion today. And finally, I always ask, but you probably just answered this, but I'll ask it anyway, since I ask everybody, is knowing where you are now, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad? So not random new grad, but you yourself, going back in time, what would you say to yourself? So as a new grad, uh, I'd say, Accept, say, say no to a lot more things. Uh, I say that because sometimes I get really overwhelmed, overwhelmed with the things I do. Um, I think I would say that. And if I go back in time even more, uh, maybe like in my first year of PT school, I'd say try to, try to ask yourself more questions. Uh, don't think that everything you learn it's true, even at school, uh, question things a lot more, even, even if it's teachers, even if it's school, uh, question things. It's not always the best, the best that you learn at school. Question lots of things. Uh, excellent advice. And now where can people find you if they want to follow you, they want to ask you questions, they want to get in touch? Where's the best place for them to reach you? It could be kind of on like on social media, where, wherever is best for uh, you. I think that Twitter is the best uh, for everything physio related. Uh, you can go on. What is it like? Bell, B-E-L underscore Loic, L-O-I-C. Uh, I think it's the best way or, or by or by email if you text me on Twitter it's my DMs are open I think uh, I can give you my email if you perfect. want perfect so, no problem I think I don't think we need to give give no, your your uh, email <laughs> ask me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we'll we'll stick we'll stick to the Twitter app for now so people can find you on Twitter we'll have a link to that well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And, you know, as, as a newer-ish grad, if you are indicative of others in the field, then I think the future of physical therapy is looking really bright. So I want to thank you for coming on and for sharing all this great information with us and your takeaways from Monaco and everything else in between. So thank oh, you. Thanks to you for the invitation. Uh, it was really great. It was fun. <laughs> I had lots of fun, at least. It's good. My pleasure. <laughs> Good. That's what I like to hear. My pleasure. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. And a big thank you to Loik for being so honest and open with us about his experiences as a newer grad physiotherapist. And of course, thanks to NetHealth. So again, they have a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today to get your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals boosted. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.